Boy, oh boy, wowee. What a week it has been for the Dockers. Frio closed out what has been an amazing opening first week of finals with their greatest ever come-from-behind win against the Western Bulldogs. Is it time to change the captaincy off of Nat Fife? And Frio plan to repeat the Will Brody trade. I'm your host as always, and this is the Big Deeks Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of this podcast. What an unbelievable round of football we just witnessed. Probably the best opening week of finals we have ever seen. Literally, what more could you want out of a round of football? Every game was special in its own way. And every team was under pressure in a way far different from any other team. I don't think next week's game of finals and hell, maybe even the rest of the final series aren't going to live up to that first week. Every game was intense and dramatic in its own way. And it's gotten to a point where I kind of feel footy burnt. I know that's probably never been said by anybody ever, but I need a break from footy. I am emotionally drained after a week of footy. And honestly, from what we saw this week, I will not complain about the pre-week finals by ever again, especially on the Dockers' behalf. I know I usually start episodes by discussing news throughout the week, but let's just get straight into the Winners VIP lounge because I cannot wait to talk about this game any longer. The best on ground clearly came down to two men, and I've ended up picking Caleb Sarong for this category. 33 disposals, a goal, three marks, six tackles, and five clearances. I thought he helped swing. I thought he really did help swing the momentum into our favour late in the second quarter and throughout the rest of the game. I think it's the second game in a row now that I've given him the BOG nomination. So thankfully, Caleb's been able to find some great form in the past month. The runner-up goes to Andy Brayshaw. I had a really tough time picking between Sarong and Brayshaw to who earned the BOG. But I thought Sarong was just far more attacking when it mattered. Nonetheless, Brayshaw had 32 disposals. He kicked a goal, 10 marks, 2 tackles. I gave the BOG to Sarong because he actually had 10 clearances while Brayshaw had none. So that's why he just edges out Brayshaw. But nonetheless, they practically had the exact same game. And they were both equally deserving as BOG. Those two are basically brothers at this point. They combine together so well. They're like Tim Tams. You can't have the Tim without the Tam, you know? The Frio hero is also going to go to a guy I gave it to recently in Michael Walters. I was practically a goal away to giving it to Jai Amos, but Walters was a far damaging presence up forward. He kicks three, but it should have been at least four or five if we're being honest. Alongside that, he had 18 disposals, five marks and three tackles, and just his defensive efforts were extraordinary to watch. His off-ball pressure and his desperation to win the footy definitely shines through in this game. He pretty much had the textbook perfect Walters game besides from a little scoring inaccuracy. He hit the scoreboard in a big way and applied great defensive pressure when he didn't have the footy. These are the sort of games you want to see Walters playing during this back half of his career. 
still being that X-factor small forward, but setting defensive standards for the other small forwards. And speaking of forwards, Fremantle are eyeing out out-of-contract son Josh Corbett after his stunning elimination final performance in the VFL. Four goals, four behinds, 25 possessions, and 17 marks led the Suns to their first ever VFL finals win in club history. Now, it's important to note that Fremantle are not the only club eyeing out Josh Corbett. However, we have been confirmed to be the only one so far. Josh Corbett is an undersized key forward for the Suns, standing at 1.9 metres. Corbett is out of contract at the Suns and has found it difficult to break in the Stuart Jews lineup this year given the arrival and form of key forward duo Marbiol Chol and Levi Casbolt. All of this just leads me to believe that Frio are trying to pull off another Brody trade. I mean, the whole situation perfectly lines up. He's out of contract, he's a French Gold Coast Suns player, and even the trade rumours between Brody and Corbett are happening at the same time as well. I definitely do think because of the lob departure and the fact that Luke Jackson isn't a key forward would be a pretty realistic pickup. Corbett is currently sitting fourth for the Suns VFL goal kicking list with 23 goals and 20 behinds for the season. So he'd be a pretty reasonable and solid pickup. But the fact that we have guys like Sturt and Tracy who are obviously way talented and younger than Josh Corbett makes me believe that this is a trade that Freo won't end up pursuing. But it might end up being a trade we have to pursue anyway because of the departure of Griffin Logue. Griffin Logue was offered just a couple of days ago 500000 per year, which is double the amount he was initially given back in April. But despite that, apparently it's been rumoured that he's turned down the contract offer in pursuit to head to Victoria. So me being confident about Griffin Logue staying about two weeks ago has completely gone down the drain. I really, really, really don't want Griffin Logue to leave. I think we forget just how much of a specimen he is. He's an athletic, versatile player that's just really hard to find in the modern game of AFL. He's like 1m90 plus and he has the ability to play on Buddy Franklin and Charlie Cameron. While also being able to go down forward and make himself a forward presence. Players like that you just can't find in the AFL, let alone Freo. He's such a valuable asset to this team, and I think Freo have been able to realise that throughout the course of the season, which is probably the main reason why his initial contract was almost doubled. The part that surprises me, though, is the fact that he denied it. At the start of the season, he said he was perfectly fine living in WA and playing for the Dockers. And the reason why this trade rumour even started in the first place was that Griffin Logue was just far good of a team not to make the Dockers best 22. Since then, he's played just about every game for the Dockers this year, and like I said, his old contract was literally doubled. There just has to be something that we're not aware of in order for him to deny that sort of contract, if it is true. And even then, 500000 is a lot. Especially in Frio standards, somebody at 500000 plus would easily be in our top 10 most highest paid players at the club. Unless North, who are leading the race for Griffin Logue at the moment, have given him a once-in-a-life contract offer, I see no logical reason why Logue would deny this deal, given what we know so far about the whole situation. And speaking of last week, um, I believed I was asked a question about five players that I believe would leave the club, talking for of course, at the end of the season, and I semi-nominated Bailey Banfield. I said that there was a tiny rumour going around that he wanted to leave the club or something. If you want to listen to more, listen to last week's episode. 
But that has been put all to bed as of Wednesday. Bailey Banfield has extended his time at the Dockers. That'll leave him at Frio until the end of 2024. Very happy to hear that he's extended his time at Frio, especially around the circumstances about a month ago, where he was very close to leaving Frio. However, the same cannot be said about Darcy Tucker, who is pretty much more than certain at this point to leave Frio in favour of North Melbourne. Apparently him, North Melbourne and Alistair Clarkson have been chatting for a while now. There's a couple of other clubs as well that are circling Darcy Tucker, namely Essendon, but North as of now are in the best position to land him. After seven seasons with the Dockers, the 25-year-old looks set to join North Melbourne with Alistair Clarkson. And with that being said, we are finally done with the Dockers recap for this week. Now let's move on to the match preview with the semi-final against Collingwood. For the best on ground, I predict it will be Will Brody. Collingwood are not a very good contested team. They were smashed by both Carlton and Geelong in the contested possessions, if I remember correctly. And I think they rank in the bottom four for the entire competition for contested possessions. So with all of that being said, Will Brody is basically going to be Pi's kryptonite. Will Brody has been one of the best contested players in the competition this year. He averages just more than 10 per game and ranks 9th for total contested possessions throughout the year. And not to mention the last time Frio did play Collingwood, despite losing by 33 points, Will Brody was arguably best on ground. So expect Will Brody to be a key pillar in this game. The Frio hero, I predict, will be Pickle Rick Michael Frederick for this week. If you manage to watch Access All Areas, especially the part on Collingwood, you'll know that the Pies defenders absolutely hate running back to defend their 50. It was the reason why Gary Rowan and Max Holmes were able to get the back of all of those Collingwood players to seal last week's win for the Cats. So when you have that defending issue against guys like Michael Frederick, Sam Swakowski and Lockie Schultz, you really do see how things could get ugly. Frio, when they choose to play that sort of high-risk, high-reward type of footy, we actually end up being one of the best attacking teams in the competition. I mean, we turned a 41-point decimate, seven minutes left in the second quarter, to being down by just 15. You can really see for yourself how damaging the Frio forwards can be when they choose to play that risk brand. When Frio do choose to move the ball fast, we are one of the best teams in the competition. The way we burn players off with guys like Frederick, Swakowski, O'Driscoll, combinate into a forward line that looks way more dangerous than it does on paper. And Michael Frederick is the best player at doing this. His performances actually sort of reflect how Fremantle played that day. If he's having a good game, well then Freo are playing that high-risk, high-reward game that we want them to play. If he isn't having a good game, Freo are playing that slow, methodic football that we hate to see. Speed is going to be the key to beating Collingwood at a packed MCG. And Frederick, quite literally, is speed. And now we have the lookout player. The opposition's game-breaking player, or the player who I think from the opposition will be BOG. I'm going to pick Jordan Degoe. He kicked two massive last-quarter goals for Collingwood that nearly got them the win over the Cats last weekend. He's been in terrific form over the past month, and he's that X-Factor midfielder that Frio, fortunately for this season, have never really had to deal with. Those sort of big box office midfielders we've never had to really come against in 2022 so far. Guys like Dustin Martin, Jake Stringer, and maybe even Toby Green. Our defense has never really had to cope with this season. He's going to have to play a huge game if Collingwood wanted to get the job done this week. 
And similar to what we did to Pontempelli last week, we could see James Aish go to him for a tag. I will admit the Collingwood forward line does look a bit underwhelming on paper, but again, I can say the same about us, and Collingwood have been able to get the job done anyway with that forward line, so it's definitely not something to look over for our defense. But again, I could say that exact same thing on the other end. Collingwood, similar to Freo, have actually been one of the best defensive teams this year. So the battle is going to be won in those two areas, with Will Brody playing a crucial role as a contested beast. But I think John DeGoe certainly has that firepower that he's been able to show in the last few weeks that could get Collingwood over the line in another close battle. A new prediction, which I'm going to include for the rest of the season, is called the Big Call. It pretty much means I'll try to predict a significant moment that will happen during the game this week. Whether it's a ridiculous goal or an amazing mark or even a big scrap, the big call part basically means I'll try to predict any of those from happening. And for this week's big call, I predict that Luke Ryan will belt Jack Ginevan in a scrap. Jack Ginevan, to put it lightly, is an interesting character in the AFL. I think just hearing the name Jack Ginevan for any fans in the AFL will just piss you off unless you're a black and white supporter. And the last time he did play Collingwood, he showed off to the Dockers fans before kicking the sealer goal. So I definitely do think guys like Jordan Clark and Lockie Schultz will get under his skin, but especially Luke Ryan. And I hope for the Dockers and Patrick Dangerfield's sake, he gets his face absolutely rubbed into the MCG turf. And finally, the winners for this week. I honestly think the game will come down to the speed on which Fremantle want to play at. If Freo play the same way we did in the second half against the Dogs, I'm not afraid to say that things could get pretty ugly for Collingwood. Our forwards' ability to overrun their defenders has been a key pillar to why we've been able to hit the scoreboard as much as we do this year. And for Collingwood's sake, that's actually a huge weakness in their game. You might be sitting there and thinking, oh, why didn't we do that last time when we played Collingwood where we lost by 33 points? Well, simply because we couldn't. It was wet. And also, just for Saturday's forecast, it is a 50-50 in terms of whether it rains or not. And like we saw against Geelong last week against Collingwood, the Pies can be beaten in close games of footy. And Fremantle have actually been a pretty good clutch team as well. I don't actually think Freo have lost a close game this year, which is truly admirable. Granted, Richmond should have beaten us in that draw at Marvel Stadium. But at the top of my head, I can't think of a game that Freo have lost by under a goal this year. So Freo aren't that bad in their own right. Plus, Freo's record in Victoria is actually really strong. Like, it's actually stronger than our performances at Optus Stadium. We lost to Carlton there at Marvel Stadium, and we had that draw like I just mentioned. Besides that, we've done everything else there. We've been Geelong at Kidania Park, and not to mention we ended Melbourne's 17-game winning streak. So with that being said, in front of a sold MCG crowd, I think the Dockers will get the job done by 13 points. Okay, that's the best question you can come up with after two hours of footy. You're quite brilliant, Shane. Yeah, terrific. As always, we'll end this week's podcast with a You're Quite Brilliant Q&A. Our first question from Hutto underscore Vs. After this elimination final, do you think we can go all the way and win the granny? Funny enough, regardless of who makes the grand final, whether it's Geelong, Brisbane, or Melbourne. I think our toughest tasks will be Sydney next week. Sydney are probably the best balanced team in the competition, and they're just as scary as well. They play an amazing brand of footy, 
and because of last week, they're the only team to have beaten Melbourne twice, let alone at the MCG twice. So if we do manage to win from here on out, our toughest opponent will actually be next week. Not to mention, I don't think we've beaten the Swans at the SCG since 2010. So there's also that. So let's say Frio do beat Sydney at the SCG next week. They do beat Collingwood this week. They go on to the grand final. We've beaten Brisbane at Optus Stadium, and Brisbane hate playing at the MCG. We've beaten Melbourne at the MCG, and we've beaten Geelong in Geelong. So we've beaten all the remaining contenders other than Sydney. But yet again, our brand is capable of beating any team, and we've broken a lot of venue droughts this year as well. Our next question comes from picture of underscore funny dogs, Matthew Pavlich or Josh Kennedy? This one is definitely a head-scratcher for me. They're both champions in both rights, and they'll go down as probably the greatest WA players to have ever played. But with that being said, I don't think putting Pavlich in this sort of situation is comparable, because Pavlich is, in my opinion, the most versatile player to have played the game. He's got all Australians in basically every position on the ground, and he's won there multiple times, while Kennedy has only really been a key forward his whole career. And despite, you know, them both being key forwards, they were entirely different players. I guess the only way you could truly compare them is what they've achieved in their career. Pavlich definitely has more All-Australians. I don't think Josh Kennedy nearly has six. But at the same time, Josh Kennedy has two common medals, so he has that over Pav. But oddly enough, despite Josh Kennedy having that one premiership, I think Pavlich did more in big games. Pavlich still has kicked the most goals in a derby with eight, with I think the second place being six, so he's got that covered. And also, I think in terms of finals, I don't actually remember Josh Kennedy having the same impact that Pavlich did. I mean, Pav's 2012 elimination final alone would give him the tick over Kennedy in this category. But at the same time, Josh Kennedy did surpass Pav this year in terms of goals kicked. And when you look at their last seasons, Josh Kennedy's, despite playing for a much worse West Coast team, was so far better than Pav's. I guess the real answer comes down to the question in context. Like, if you re-evaluated that question, Pav versus Kennedy, who's the better player? I'd say Pav because, you know, he could play everywhere, which by default makes him the better player because he's more, well, playable. But then if you were to go Pav versus Kennedy, who was the better forward, it's instantly Josh Kennedy. Like, I love his Pav as much as anyone, but I'm no shame to say that Kennedy has been the better key forward. Who knows, maybe if Pav did play forward his whole career, this would be a much different story. But as it stands, Pavlich is the better player, but Kennedy is the better forward. Next question coming in from Kobe Pauls. How do our small forwards combat Quainal? Pretty easy, actually. You do this crazy technique. I'm not sure if anyone's done it before, but it's called manning him up on Michael Frederick. Next question. Next question from... I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but Jero Mincho's ones? Can we beat Collingwood? And if we do, can we reaffirm that Sydney and us have a rivalry? No. To be honest, there was never really a rivalry between us and Sydney, even back when the Ross Lyon era was at its peak. Sydney was just kind of a team we played a lot in the back half of the year, similar to Hawthorne during that period. Geelong vs Frio back then was way more of a rivalry. To be totally fair, I've never actually considered Sydney to be a rival of Frio. They've just always been that solid team you're afraid to play against. And the weird thing is, if we do beat Collingwood this week, it'll actually be the third prelim final that we've played against the Swans, oddly enough. 
2013, 2006, and hopefully 2022, which makes three out of our four prelims in club history. Josh Ward underscore zero five asks, Freo versus Collingwood, honest predictions. I'm just going to say this. The game is going to be won in the first quarter. If Collingwood win the first quarter, like they've done pretty much all year, the crowd's going to be up and about. We're going to be down by 20 plus, and it's just going to become too much in a hostile environment. But if the Dockers win the first quarter, the crowd will be quiet, and Freo can just run away with it, literally. So that first quarter is going to be crucial as all hell. And this week's final question from Cooper White, Acres to Carlton. This was actually another trade rumor I was going to bring up earlier, but due to this question, I thought I'd save it till now. So apparently there are a bunch of Victorian clubs circling Blake Acres in an attempt to lure him back over. And Carlton are basically the front runners now in landing him. We cannot lose Blake Acres simply because he plays such an important role in our system. Like Frederick aside, he's probably our most important role player. The way he works up and down as a winger has been part of his breakout season this year. And not only that, he's such a smart winger as well. He knows exactly when to go and contribute to the contest. And not only that, he's actually good at breaking tackles as well, which is rare for a winger. I really hope we don't lose him, especially to someone like Carlton who just sacked Liam Stoker. Actually, can we talk about that for a second? Liam Stoker literally won Carlton's best young player last year in their best and fairest, and then literally gets sacked in the next year. Like, what the actual shit? Like, to quote Mick Malloy off the front bar, you know you've got a problem when Essendon are looking at you and going, geez, that club's in shambles. Like, who sat there in a group with official AFL coaches and said, yes, let's sack one of our best young players for literally no reason? And then the next day, you re-signed Lockie O'Brien and Jordan Boyd. I had no idea Jordan Boyd was even a player until now. He sounds like a rip-off Matthew Boyd. What was the management team smoking? Oh, I know. It was the 2022 Flaggers pack. Oh, but oh man, how funny would it be if Carlton don't even get Blake Akers and they sacked Liam Stoker for literally no reason. Actually, you know what? I hope that's exactly what happens this trade period. You know what? Luke Jackson can go to West Coast for all I care. Obviously, I'm being sarcastic. Don't worry. As long as Carlton fans keep suffering in 2022, that's all I care about. Carlton are making their own fans want to jump off a bridge and dive straight first into concrete ground, and I love it. Actually, with that being said, that's literally the last question anyway, so let's just wrap things up here. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening to this week's episode of the Big Digs Podcast. I'm in another rampage because I realized just how much I hate Carlton. Flag medal for life. Free are going to eat some cold pies on Saturday night. Thank you so much for listening, and Carlton can suck my dick. <laughs> Just at the right time.